This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show, and we are having a pregame show different than we've had in a while. Well, this is the first rematch that we're going to be talking about, and this is also one of the few weeks that the Steelers are coming off of a win, and we are not lamenting a loss. So the man that I do that with, this show would not be possible this show would not be good if it wasn't for KT Smith, the coach, Kevin Thatcher. What is going on? I'm uh, feeling, feeling pretty good right now, Brian. It, it does feel different when the Steelers win a football game. And I kind of forgot that a little bit. We we got a little mired in, uh, in a losing streak there. And I think everybody started to resign themselves to the fact that this was going to be a bad Steelers team. And it may still be a bad Steelers team, but. But then you win a game and you suddenly start seeing the glass half full and you start seeing all the good things. So it's been nice the last few days uh, being able to focus on the positive with the Steelers. Well, let me get started with this first question. What is more important to you, Kevin, the fan, not Kevin, the coach, not Kevin, the analyst here at BTSC, but Kevin, the fan, when it comes to the Steelers starting off slow and getting a nice win, and I'm, I'm going to call it a nice win. I don't think that was a squeaker. And between them coming off a win for momentum's sake, it might be a meaningless win, but it sacrifices some draft position. What are your thoughts on that? No, I'm all in with them winning games. They're a young team, and they have young players who haven't really done it in the NFL yet. These are not the Steelers of the early 2010s or even the, even the 20 teens, this is a new group of Steelers. They haven't won a playoff game since 2016 and, and they need to win. They, you know, they need to win for their confidence, for their, you know, just, just the, the knowing that you can do it. I mean, something that, that we talk about a lot. And I know you asked me about Kevin, the fan, but uh, one, something we talk about a lot when I, when we, when we talk about football players or just people in general is like, whatever, whatever the thing is, you, you don't know if you can do a thing until you do the thing. And, and that's, that, that's a thing that I think the Steelers are kind of working through right now. They, they have to learn how to win football games if they're going to be successful down the road. And this is really you know because of their youth and Kenny Pickett starting his NFL career is perhaps the franchise quarterback. This is a, this is a young team. This is a, this is a build for the future team. But while you're building for the future, you want to win as many football games as possible. So, if I think about it analytically, I'm all in on them winning for those reasons. But I think about it as a fan, I'm all in on it all on them winning because it it's just life is better when they win. It, it's crazy how it affects you 
psychologically. I'm, I'm not my 20-year-old self. My 20-year-old self was like devastated when the Steelers lost games. I'd be miserable for days on end. And I, I'm not like that anymore. I'm older and my daughter is going to be jumping around, you know, excited and wanting to do this and that, whether the Steelers win, or, win lose, or draw. So I, I can't uh, be, be mired in some funk because they lost because I got to play with her. <laughs> so I'll bounce back a lot quicker. But at the same time, just this past week still make, makes me realize that uh, I'm just happier as a person when they win. And that may be silly because I have no control over whether they win or lose, but it just is. Well, let's put the AC back on, and that's analyst and coach. Let's put that hat on, and let's go back to this question. A lot of pundits are saying doesn't matter. They beat a crappy team in the New Orleans Saints. I don't think that is a wasteful win. I think that's a big win. I don't care who's on the other side of the ball. As a coach, what does this win mean for the Steelers? And I know you just touched on it a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's huge for their confidence. And I think it's more so the way that they won the football game, which sort of creates a template for them going forward. This would have been different had they won the game differently, had they won it in kind of fluky fashion, like they won that first game of the year against Cincinnati. Um, This was a game where the Steelers just dominated the football game. They, they, They had 38 minutes of possession. They had 28 first downs to only 10 for since uh, for new Orleans. Uh, they rushed for over 200 yards for the first time since 2016. And they held new Orleans to 29 yards rushing. The only place they didn't really dominate was on the scoreboard. I mean, this was a 10 to 10 game early in the fourth quarter with the Steelers taking a drive over at their own one yard line. I mean, they're on, uh, so that that's the only problematic thing is that for all the other areas in which they dominated, they, they, they still aren't scoring enough points. But when you win a football game because you absolutely dominate time of possession, first downs, and the run game, those are great signs because that because that shows you that you know, you've know you got a template for how to win football games. That That's a great uh, design for going forward. The Steelers are getting better at running the football. They, they're actually ninth in the NFL over the last four uh, weeks in rushing averaging 152 rushing yards per game and they've crept up to sixth in the league in defending the run and so when you can run the ball stop the run and then you have dynamic playmakers like they do in in tj watt and Micah fitzpatrick uh, on the defense side of the ball can make splash plays you can win football games so i think the thing that is so exciting about that win regardless of who the opponent is or was is that the steelers see a, 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 a template for them going forward on how to win football games. Now, let me ask you this. The trenches are a huge thing. And you just talked about that. You talked about both of those things. The Steelers only giving up 29 yards on the ground to a team that has Alvin Kamara, who has not taken a step back. And also the fact that they had what, 213 yards rushing. And that's what's bigger because I, I, I to me, they're both equal, but, we've seen the Steelers give up a ton of yards on the ground a lot lately. And we've seen an anemic running game for a long time. What's going to be more important. And I think they're both important, but going forward, what's the bigger victory of those two? That's a good question. They're, they they do go hand in hand. Uh, for me, the bigger victory will be on the offensive side of the ball, because if the Steelers can, can, 
do, I don't want to say dominate time of possession. They're not, they're not going to have games where they control the ball for 38, 39 minutes like they did last week very often. But if they can win time of position to time of possession and win it with their run game, it does two things. One, it, it takes some of the pressure off of Kenny Pickett uh, where he doesn't have to go out there and throw the ball as much. I mean, the Steelers were asked, Kenny Pickett threw the football uh, 40 plus times in two out of his first three NFL starts. Ben Roethlisberger didn't throw the ball 40 times until his 30th NFL start. And here goes Kenny Pickett doing it two out of three times out of the gates. The Steelers were putting so much on his plate. And so for them to be able to run the ball effectively takes some of that pressure off of him. And it also, of course, alleviates pressure on the defense. When you, when you think back to the Cincinnati game in the season opener, the defense was on the field for 96 snaps. That's insane. I, almost 100 snaps. I mean, now granted, it was, a, it was a game that went to the end of overtime, but still, they were on the field all game long. And, and they're just not – no team really is built to withstand that. So, so while stopping the run is really important, and the Steelers are starting to do it pretty well, running the ball effectively on offense, I think, is the more important thing. Great. I'm glad you said that. Now, you mentioned Kenny Pickett in there, and a lot of people were saying that Kenny Pickett had a terrible game. Some people said that they won in spite of Kenny Pickett. I'm one of those that I found a lot of things in your comments just now to kind of go against that, because here's the thing. You don't want him throwing 50 times a game. He threw for 199 yards. He was 18 for 30. And I let everybody know one of the greatest victories in Pittsburgh Steelers history was a game where Ben Roethlisberger was not perfect in Super Bowl 40. But if you don't have Ben in that game, you are not winning that football game. Yeah, I think right now less is more with Kenny Pickett. And I wouldn't really judge him so much by his stats. I, I would judge him more by how is he handling himself? How's he, you know, what, how, what's he doing in the pocket? Is he, is he more comfortable in the pocket? I mean, that's his biggest area or his biggest need for improvement is just his, his pocket presence. He still looks to bail a little too quickly. Uh, he's still missing some open receivers. When you, when you get a, a look at the all 22 film, which gives you the, you know, the view from the sky, you can, you can see that if he just hangs a little longer in the, in the pocket, he has some things that start to open up down the field, but, one thing he did really, really well last Sunday against New Orleans is when he bailed, he knew he knew what he wanted to do. He 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 often stepped up through the pocket, which was one of the most encouraging things for me to see. Uh, it's it's a very sort of sophomoric move when you decide to bail outside the pocket because it's the easy thing. You you just you feel pressure wherever it's coming from in your face or even off the edge. And you just run away from it. Running away from it usually means running outside the pocket. And that's, that just doesn't work much in the NFL. It, you know, the defenses are just too fast. Uh, they'll track you down when you do that, unless you're Lamar Jackson. Uh, but one of the things he did well on Sunday was he stepped up through the pocket. He, he stepped up into openings in the B gap or the A gap or seams that it emerged when the Saints lost their, the integrity of their rush lanes. Uh, his best play of the game, I thought, was a 23-yard scramble, um, or you know, that in the third quarter that kick-started one uh, one of the Steelers' field goal drives, where uh, he he went up he went right up through the middle of the pocket and then out the out the, the gate and ran for 23 yards, made 51 rushing yards, and a lot of that came on smart uh, scrambles. So there's a big difference between scrambling intelligently because there's nothing open and you recognize uh, a hole in the defense or a seam in the defense versus 
a panic scramble when you feel pressure and you just bail out. And I thought that he was better on the, on the former. Uh, and, and that was encouraging too. So I, I just think he's getting more comfortable. It's going to be a slow process. And, you know, in the, in the blogosphere and in the Twitter age, everybody wants everything right now. And they're so quick to criticize. Uh, but I think if we remain patient with Kenny Pickett and the offense continues to evolve, you'll see him evolve as well. So I saw something that made me want to almost cry today, and it was a comparison to Kenny Pickett and Ryan Leaf. And it's because Kenny Pickett is now in the same club as Ryan Leaf, only having throwing over 200 throws in his rookie season and having only 1% of his passes go for touchdowns. You know, when I look at Kenny Pickett, I think of a guy that doesn't even come close to that of a Ryan leaf. Is this just a bad label that somebody with stats that wants to make a name for themselves put out there and threw on Kenny Pickett? I mean, I don't even know what to say to that, to that. This is such an asinine comparison. Ryan leaf will be the first to tell you that he had tons of psychological and emotional problems as a rookie being such a highly drafted quarterback, he was the number two pick in the draft uh, with huge expectations on his shoulders. He will be the first to tell you. He, I mean, I'll give Ryan Lee some credit in his post NFL career. He's, you know, he's at, had some struggles. He's been in some in rehab and uh, you know, kind of, I think he's emerged as a pretty introspective person. And he's talked pretty openly about his struggles, but he, he's talked about, you know, he basically says I was a jerk. I, I treated people like crap. I thought I was a big time to everybody. I didn't study. I thought the NFL was going to be like college. I would just be better than everybody. And, you know, and he wasn't. And he learned the hard way that he wasn't. Kenny Pickett's the opposite. Kenny Pickett's the guy who's grinding every week and encouraging his teammates to, to dig their nose harder into the playbook. He's already been vocal about that, about how he just didn't, doesn't think that the offense studies enough or enough film, or enough playbook, enough reps together. I mean, I think Kenny Pickett's a guy who wants to be great. And, and is going to you know put in the work to do it. Kenny Pickett's not a, a, a physical freak. I mean, Ryan Leaf is six foot five and 230 pounds and probably was used to being bigger, stronger, faster, and more talented th- than everybody. And Kenny Pickett's not that guy. I mean, he's six three and he's 200 pounds. And I, you know, he went to Ocean Township High School, which is only about an hour north from me here in New Jersey. And, uh, and I'm very, very familiar with that league. We play, we play teams from that league all the time. And, and that's a hard nose, like the, that's like a bloody your nose football league. That's old school smash mouth football. And he kind of came up grinding through all that. But, you know, Ryan Leaf was a Southern California kid, you know. So anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rambling right now and I don't want to do that. But th- I just think that those are incredibly lazy comparisons made by people uh, who don't really think very much about, you know, the game. So my next question was not on our notes. We did not discuss this beforehand. So we're going to take a break and I'm going to come back, but I'm going to give the question right now and give you a chance to at least think about it because it's not fair if I don't. But now we just heard about that asinine comparison between Kenny Pickett and Ryan Leaf. At this point in Kenny Pickett's career, which we are roughly into, I guess, six games, give or take a, you know, a few quarters off. Who would you compare him to in National Football League history? I'd like you to think about that, and I'd like everybody to stick around right here on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. This is Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show, because the Bengals are coming to tan 425 
on Sunday. So I cannot wait to talk about that one. Stick around. We will be right back on the pregame show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. There I am on the subway train. Welcome back. Here we go. The Steelers pregame show. I am Brian Anthony Davis. I'm the podcast producer here at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Kevin Smith, the coach. He is our main analyst here. He's like John Madden. I know I'm not quite Pat Summerall or Al Michaels, but he is definitely has some. He's a lot cooler than John Madden, if you ask me. He's. <laughs> I, I don't think he's going to take a grudge against the 1972 Steelers almost 50 years to his grave. May he rest in peace. But I'm just going to say that this guy is the best, and I just saddled him with a really tough question that he had no time to prepare for. So we're going to go ahead and find out now. We were talking about Ryan Leaf and how Kenny Pickett is in the same club with him, only throwing 1% of his passes for touchdowns with throwing over 200 passes to start his career. Now, Kevin just laid out why that's crazy, what intangibles Kenny Pickett has, and why he is going to be a great future quarterback in this league. Right now, Kevin, who would you say that Kenny Pickett might remind you of? Who could we compare Kenny Pickett to? Well, you know, it's interesting. I I don't know if I can give you a direct comparison, but there's two players who come to mind. The high end is Josh Allen, and and he's not Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen's bigger. Nobody has an arm like Josh Allen. Josh Allen has an absolute uh, rope for an arm. Um but in terms of some of the things that I think the Steelers will end up doing with Kenny Pickett, they're going to be very similar to some of the things that Buffalo does with Josh Allen. The offenses that Matt Canada runs in Pittsburgh and, and what they run up in Buffalo are, are pretty similar. They ask Josh Allen to make a lot of out-of-pocket and off-platform throws, a lot of boot action, so a decent amount of RPOs. They, they have some design runs with, with Josh Allen. And the Steelers are, are doing all those things with – Kenny Pickett. They even actually got into the designed quarterback run game last week, which I I was really pleased to see. They ran a power read concept, which is a you know, power read is where the quarterback is riding a, uh, the, a back and reading an unblocked defensive lineman and deciding whether or not he's going to give the ball to the back or pull the ball and go. And most people are familiar with zone read, where the quarterback, you know, where the where the where the back can run inside. Or the quarterback can run outside, but power reads the opposite, where the back goes outside and the quarterback can go inside behind a pulling lineman. And the Steelers ran that with with Kenny Pickett uh, this week. The Bills run it with Josh Allen all the time. Uh, so, uh, but like Josh Allen, you know, Kenny Pickett has struggled early on. Josh Allen had a really tough start to his NFL career. His rookie year was a huge struggle. Uh, he ended up throwing far more interceptions than he did touchdowns and 
lot of people thought that maybe he was in over his head or he would never quite get there. Um, and so again, while I don't think Kenny Pickett is as physically gifted as Josh Allen, I think that that some of the things that Pickett does resemble things that Allen does in Buffalo and, and their careers are sort of off to similar starts. And I suspect that Kenny Pickett will get better as he goes. Another guy though, real quick that, that I think is uh, a decent comparison is Ryan Tannehill who started his career down in uh, Miami and, and, you know, didn't get off to the fastest start in the world. Tannehill wasn't terrible, uh, but as a first round pick who, who had, you know, he had lofty expectations just like Steelers fans have for Pickett and he, you know, Tannehill, is a similar style quarterback as well, athletic and mobile and, you know, can run the boot game and can, you know, do some improv- improvisational things. And it's probably going to take a little bit uh, before, before Pickett, re- you know, realizes his potential similar to how Tannehill did. Now Tannehill had needed a change of scenery for him to kind of take off in his career. And hopefully that won't be true for Kenny Pickett, but if he falls as an NFL quarterback somewhere between Ryan Tannehill and Josh Allen, Brian, don't you think that it's fair to say that the Steelers would be getting a pretty darn good quarterback? Yeah, you are not going to complain about that if he, even if he is on the low end, a lot closer to Ryan Tannehill. No, that's a good quarterback, right? For sure. So, and I think I think that there are a lot of a lot of positive signs with Kenny Pickett. People want to compare him to Ben Roethlisberger, but you got to remember, Ben Roethlisberger came in with uh, a a great run game. I mean, the Steelers could pound the ball, you know, with Jerome Bettis and um, and and an elite defense, and and those are two. And and while Ben Roethlisberger did some Ben Roethlisberger things as a rookie, I mean, he, there was a couple games as a rookie where Ben Roethlisberger put the Steelers on his back. They they managed him very carefully. Like I said, he didn't have a single game his rookie year where they asked him to throw the ball more than forty times, and he only threw it more than thirty times or he didn't throw it more than 30 times until his second season. So not, not once in his entire rookie year did they ask him to throw it more than 30 times. Um, so they really managed him, and and the Steelers have piled a lot on Pickett's plate w- without him having the luxury of an elite run game or an elite defense. So the hope is that uh, as the Steelers get better in other areas, Kenny Pickett will improve as well. Well, let's talk about that run game for a moment. One question on the post-game press conference and he didn't have a lot of time to think about it but they asked mike tomlin they being the media asked about a running back by committee and mike tomlin said you know we have talked about it and he didn't really say so much more he said you know the situations you're in are going to give you more of an opportunity but do you feel like mike tomlin 15 years into his career has made a change in his philosophy because he's always been a bell cow guy. And now I feel like he is ready to go ahead and go with a two-headed monster. Me too. And 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 they need to. Because Najee Harris, 381 touches as a rookie, way too many. And I don't know, you know, I don't know if that had any lingering effect onto his performance this year, but he certainly didn't get out of the gate uh, as fast this year as he did as a rookie. And he seems to be, you know, kind of regaining that rookie season form. But, but, you know, the the great sort of unexpected revelation of the first half of the season for me was Jalen Warren. Just what an explosive back he is, and and really what a contrast he presents a defense when you do alter him with Najee Harris. You have two hundred and forty, you know, two pound Najee Harris who's who's going to pound you and 
but whose running style is, is a little more deliberate and he's just going to kind of be a little bit more patient and pick his holes. And Jalen Warren, who is five foot eight and built like a you know, bowling ball, but hits the hole, man, with such suddenness and runs with such a low pad level. It's funny. Um, the Steelers had a third and six from, I'm going to say, New Orleans, maybe 13 or 14 yard line, something like that in the fourth quarter when they were leading 13 to 10 and uh, they were going into for the touchdown that would end up making it 20 to 10. And they threw the ball out in the flat to Jalen Warren and he caught it maybe a yard or two past the line of scrimmage. So he still needed to make about four yards to make the first down and the saints corner came up and closed on him. So Warren and the corner were going one-on-one and in my mind, as soon as I saw that, I said to myself, first down, because I knew there was no way that the Saints corner was going to make a clean one-on-one tackle on Warren in the open field. And sure enough, Warren blew past them, got past the sticks first down, the Steelers go on and score. And so he's proven himself to be just a really, really difficult guy to tackle and a guy that brings a spark to the offense every time he touches the ball. And I think Thomas sees it. And, and we're starting to see Warren take on a bigger and bigger role each week. And so, um, you know, hey, maybe Mike Tomlin can sort of change his spots and and uh, because he can't be stubborn at this point in the season when the Steelers, when you get off to a two and six start, if you're not microscoping your own decision making, you're you're doing yourself a disservice. Should we as fans be careful not to be too hasty thinking that the running game is fixed? Well, that's a good question, because when you think about the Cincinnati team, that the Steelers are going to play this week. They've been very good against the Steelers in terms of defending the run. The Steelers have only averaged 86 rushing yards per game in the last five meetings with Cincinnati. And so Cincinnati's middle of the pack. They're, they're 17th overall against the run. They give up about 118 rushing yards per game. And like I said earlier, the Steelers over the last four weeks have averaged over 150 rushing yards per game. So you think to yourself, you know, hey, this is a this is a team maybe the Steelers should be able to run the ball against, but history suggests, at least recent history suggests, Cincinnati's been very good stopping the run against the Steelers. So this will be a really interesting test. Pittsburgh's running the ball much better, uh, but now they're facing an opponent who knows them really well and who, in our recent history, has defended the run really well. So if the Steelers wind up rolling up 130, 140 rushing yards this week, I will be really encouraged by that. I'm gonna. I was. I will. I will be much further, much closer to answering yes. The run game is back to that question you just asked than I am right now. How do we get to the point where we say that the Steelers' offense is closer to fine? Starting with Cincinnati, what does the offense need to do to beat the Bengals? Well, they have to continue to run the ball. I mean, what one. This is kind of an amazing statistic. When, when you think about why, why are they running the ball better? Uh, well, Najee Harris looks better. Um, Jalen Warren certainly added a spark to the offense, but but the offensive line is just improving. The line is improving each week. And the biggest reason they're pr- improving is continuity. Um, the, the, the offensive line together, if you count each player individually, has played a total of 3,095 snaps. The starting five have played 3,090 of those 3,095 snaps together. That the starting five as a unit has only had missed that those five in combination for five plays all year. And it's been the same guy. Mason Cole's missed the center's missed five plays. Every other starter on the O-line has played every single play of the year. That's how you get better. And this is a group that, you know, was overhauled 
in the offseason again for probably the third straight year it's kind of overhauled the line and and everybody knew it would take time for them to gel and and early on they, they looked like a unit that hadn't played much together but now they're starting to, to have some continuity and they're starting to really sort of understand each other and the backs are starting to see you know where the holes are going to be because they're getting more familiar with the line uh, so if the Steelers maintain that continuity they should can be able to to run the ball better when they played Cincinnati the first time that was the first game that these guys had all played together and it, it looked that way they they really couldn't run the football at all so so they got to run the ball uh, and be able to move the sticks and then the other thing that they have to be able to do well is they got to take advantage of whatever opportunities are there in the passing game and for me the biggest weapon the Steelers have in, in that regard is Pat Fryermuth I really think Pat Fryermuth um, is going to get some good matchups against Cincinnati's linebackers. And uh, he had five catches for 75 yards in the first game against them. He's taking on a bigger role each week. I think with Chase Claypool now off to Chicago, that Friar Moose role will get better each week. So for me, success for the offense is offensive line plays well together. Steelers are able to run the football. Friar Moose has a big day. Wow, absolutely fantastic. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, Kevin. Yeah, well, we got some great news on Thursday. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick practiced just a week out from his appendectomy, and it looks like he's going to play on Sunday. And so that puts the Steelers one step closer to being, you know, a fully formed defensive unit. I know they're still missing uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, and or I'm sorry, um, Akella Weatherspoon at corner, and we haven't seen William Jackson the third yet, but. Uh, with the return of uh, Larry Ogunjobi last week and and with Fitzpatrick being back in the lineup and hopefully Miles Jack will be back soon, the Steelers are starting to look like the defense that everybody kind of expected them to, to have. So they certainly got after it in week one. I mean, my gosh, five interceptions, seven sacks. Joe Burrow looked confused and frustrated. Um, but, now, but the Steelers had all offseason to game plan for, for that game too. And now they have a week. So the key will be in the adjustments. You know, what adjustments will each team make? But obviously having Mika Fitzpatrick back, he was unbelievable in the first meeting, 14 tackles and a pick six. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And Jamar Chase torched him. Jamar Chase had 10 catches for 129 yards in that first meeting. And uh, he's not playing. So when you think about those two things in combination, you feel, you certainly feel encouraged. Now, all that said, Cincinnati, you know, they've got some good coaches there. They went to the Super Bowl last year. They know they know what they're doing and uh, and they'll make adjustments for sure. And I think the big adjustment that, that they'll try to make is get Joe Mixon more involved because he's hurt the Steelers in the last few meetings. So the Steelers have to have an answer for that. I'm worried about Mixon in the passing game. I'm worried about Cincinnati motioning Mixon out of the backfield or lining him up in the slot and getting him matched up on Roberts for lane man to man. Because if there was one bad drive for the Steelers last week against New Orleans, it was the drive New Orleans had just before halftime when they went down the field and scored with under a minute to go. And they really exploited Spillane in coverage. And so mixing on Spillane will be a bad matchup for the Steelers if Cincinnati can get it. There's one guy that you did not mention. Well, actually, there's two. DeMarvin Leal might be back in the next three weeks. His 21-day window has opened. And there's another guy. I'm not going to mention him because he is my idea of a great candidate for dude of the week. Who do you got going? (laughs) So my, I'm going with a unit. I'm going with the O-line because I just think they keep getting better and better. And when you run for over 200 yards, uh, you don't do that without a great performance from the offensive line. 
So I'm going with them as a unit, although I think I know who you're going with. You know who I'm going with. I'll, I'll let you say it. Okay. I think you're going with Cam Sutton. I'm not. Oh, no. you're not? Okay. I've, I've, who, I've who done that. I've done that in the past, and I agree. Okay. Who do you got? Even though I agree, no one is more dude this week than number 23, Diamante KZ. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love, boy, I loved his contributions. Um, the interception was just really good ball hawking. The kind that interception, and when people say like, "Oh, what's the a, a ball hawk? A ball hawk?" Yeah, that's a, a a label that you know you, you put on guys because they produce turnovers and stuff. But you you got to see why Demonte KZ is is a ball hawk. Why you know the ball just seems to wind up in his hands because on the interception that he had, it was a classic tip drill. And and it was a drill where Kazi that it was such a harder interception I think than most people realize Kazi was closing on the receiver uh, who was being covered uh, nicely um, by Levi Wallace and uh, and Kazi was closing on him it was a dig route so it was coming into the field so Kazi was coming from ahead of the receiver and in that situation nine times out of ten the safety's eyes are on the man because you're trying you're you're expecting to go through the man to break the pass up. That's what that's what you're trained to do at that point. You're not he's not going to get there soon enough to to step in front of the interception. So you're being taught to play through the man. You know, put your body right through the receiver, get your hands up through the hands of the receiver and knock the ball away that way. But the receiver got his hands on the ball first and he tipped it. And Kazee's reaction time was incredibly fast. He went from, you know, trying to play the man to trying to play the ball in an instant and was able to get his hands up in, 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 in such a sudden fashion and catch that ball. I think there are very few safeties in the league who make that play. I think for most safeties, maybe they get a hand up, a reactionary hand up and deflect the ball. But to be able to, to, to react quickly enough and then have soft enough hands to catch the ball off the deflection was, was really, really good. And so you can kind of see, you know, hey, this guy – didn't lead the league in interceptions back in 2018 by accident. Uh, he he genuinely has really good ball skills. I really think Demonte can be a difference maker for this team. Now, if any of you are wondering, Kevin, Brian, why not TJ Watt for dude of the week? Uh, we can't we can't say enough how his return helped spark that team. And a lot of people have been saying it, and we agree as well. I'm going to speak for Kevin on this one, but you know what? Due to the century, <laughs> due to the decade, there you go for TJ Watt. But you've got to give the offensive line their due. And KZ could definitely be that kind of guy that takes that defense from a C to a B plus in a hurry. For sure. Yeah, I feel like we could probably give it to TJ just about every week. So, <laughs> yeah, you got to spread the love. Even, spread the love man. even when the guys hurt. Yeah. Oh, well, he, when he's hurt, he's he is like the dude because you can see how much it impacts the defense. The difference that that guy makes when he's on the field versus when he's not is really it's just they're just two different defenses. First play of the game, man. First play of the game. That poor tight end. Uh, what's his name? Adam Troutman, the poor tight end for New Orleans. He made a tiny mistake. He just got his weight a little too far forward. He kind of it was an inside run, and he could tell he wanted to get off the ball and get on TJ Watt right away. But he he like lunged a little bit. His weight was just a little too far forward, and that was it. That's all TJ Watt needed, man. And he just swatted the dude's arms away and swum in, uh, inside of him and stuffed the running back 
for no gain and the place went ballistic and you know that just that the impact that he makes like Mal- no offense to Malik Reed but Malik Malik Reed doesn't make that play you know Malik Reed probably gets gets blocked for a second or two the back probably goes for three yards or whatever and it it's a sort of an, an unmemorable play but the difference between that and the play that Watt makes to get the place fired up and just set the tone for the Steelers uh, is what separates him from just about everybody else. All right, so that's absolutely fantastic. We're going to do this. Your middle name is T, so here's the 10-second prediction for this week's game. KT, take it away. Well, I am uh, wary of picking the Steelers to win because winning in Cincinnati and beating one opponent in the same year is twice in the same year is tough. The heck with it. I'm picking the Steelers, man. Steelers are going to win 24-20. This team is going to be vengeful because of that week one loss. They're going to be hungry, but I agree with you as well. So let's do it. Let's get it done. It is going to be a great week in the Steel City, and I'm just thrilled. I know you are too. We're professional men outside of doing this. This isn't a job. This is a hob. This is our hobby, and we love it. But I can tell you this. Not having to do a night game, getting flexed out, I'll take it. Oh, yeah. That was going to be a 3 a.m. night for for both of us. So maybe we'll get to bed at a respectable hour like midnight now. Yeah, and we're going to get nailed next week because they don't flex out games yet for Monday Night Football. They never have, but they're starting in 2023. And if they would have done it in 2022, the Colts and Steelers had no chance. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of flexing uh, uh, and moving games, I'm really disappointed that they, they're moving the Buffalo game because I was so looking forward to watching a game in a blizzard. Yes. Yes. I love it. I wanted yeah. that too. Yeah. I wanted Blizzard Bowl. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm pretty bummed. Now it's going to be in sanitary Detroit. Blah. Yeah. All right. Let's get on out of here for Kevin Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. We are your pregame team. From BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Make sure you check out BTSC for all your Pittsburgh Steeler needs. Right before this show, you had an opportunity to check out Jeff Hartman and Let's Ride the Wednesday edition, excuse me, the Friday edition with Jeremy Betts. He calls him Jerome. He's on that show too. Last night was the preview. Before that, on Thursday, another great episode, a really fun episode of what Ian's talking about. So much stuff to check out, like the Stat Geek too. You've got to do it. You got to stick around to BTSC for everything Steelers and keep your feet on the ground, Kevin. Keep reaching for the hypocycloid, Steelers fan. 